Hello and welcome to Virtual Philanthropy. I'm your host, EJ Jacobs. Virtual Philanthropy is a donor-led virtual tour of the grant-making process. Donors walk us through how they find potential organizations and ultimately decide how to fund them. Today's people in philanthropy are Abhinav Kanal and Tessa Zimmerman with a Little Big Fund. Welcome. Thank you, EJ. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us, EJ. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Yourselves. It's the first time we're doing it, two people or so. <laughs> Yeah, my name is Abhinav Kanal. I'm the Chief Thought Officer at Little Big Fund. Uh, my role at Little Big Fund is to help develop the curriculum that we offer to social entrepreneurs around the world uh, and deliver the content uh, along with my co-leaders, Gail and Tessa. My name is Tessa Zimmerman, and I am the Chief Catalyst Officer at the Little Big Fund, and my role is to help develop partnerships for the Little Big Fund between both funders, uh, nonprofit organizations, as well as uh, institutions. Well, it's funny because normally we do a shameless plug immediately after this, but I sort of want us to do a shameless plug of your organizations because you both are running nonprofits in, in parallel to this. So here's a chance to talk about the work you're doing outside of the Little Big Fund before we do the proper shameless plug. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, so in addition to Little Big Fund, um, I am also the executive director and co-founder of Bean Voyage, which is a nonprofit social enterprise that provides training and market access to smallholder women coffee producers. Um, we've started in Costa Rica, slowly expanding our work uh, across other coffee producing countries. Um, yeah. And I am also the founder and executive director of Asset Education, which is a nonprofit based in Denver, Colorado. We train and equip teachers in a curriculum of bite-sized social and emotional tools designed to help students reduce stress and build resilience. We serve about 12,000 students each week here in the States. How do you feel like the roles that you have in those organizations help you in your roles here at Little Big Fund? I think because we've sat on the other side of the table, it gives us the opportunity to take our learnings of our experiences with funders and say, how do we want to do this differently? Or what really worked with our previous funders and how do we want to bring that to the Little Big Fund? Yeah, a lot of the best practices that, you know, perhaps would be only theoretical is actually quite practical in our cases. So when we um, work with students to help them guide through their fundraising process, we're able to share examples that are very quite real to us. And I think that brings a lot of value for students to learn from people who've actually perhaps taken a couple of missteps or done something well as well. Normally, I ask people who have uh, history in working at a non-profit and then move completely to running a, a foundation or working in a foundation, what are some of the things that they go, oh, I understand now why that's happened the way it's happened. Considering that you're both doing those in parallel right now, are there things that come up in your everyday life that you feel like, I, I believe to make sure that I mention that to our grantees or to the process, uh, or is it really sort of just trying to navigate both separately? No, for me, recently we applied for a grant um, for asset and we didn't get it. And it was really actually a wonderful learning opportunity because I could see in the grant that we hadn't really addressed their questions super well. So they were looking for like self-direction and curiosity. And I was trying to tie asset to that, but I don't think I hit that home as well as I could have. 
and that's why we didn't get the grant. And so that's really helpful now for me to take that back to the students at the Little Big Fund and say, hey, like when they're asking you to tie it to a specific like aspect of their work, like make sure you are explicit in doing that because that can be a really big reason that you don't receive funding. I think one of the big, uh, you know, learning opportunity that has been with Little Big Fund um, over the past year has been the value of relationships that donors put on um, with their grantees. Uh, so a couple of our grantees who, you know, send us regular emails, updates, and stay engaged, we tend to actually follow their work quite proactively. Whereas people that maybe are not, you know, responding to emails or have not sent us any reports, we tend to kind of lose touch and are less likely to continue supporting them. And I think that's a great learning opportunity for us as an organization at Bean Voyage to know that we have to continuously engage our donors so they feel like they're part of our tribe versus not someone that you reach out to every year just to ask for money. Um, so. And I think off of that too, it's been an engagement and particularly when student, when we don't provide funding to a particular organization, it's been a really big learning opportunity for us to sit on the other side of the table and say, oh my God, this amazing student that we didn't provide funding to has done a phenomenal job engaging us and getting to experience how that feels so good um, that we can still provide mentorship and support. It's really like to Avi's point has really reevaluated how I engage with people that say no to asset um, and how I can further those relationships. What's the most comfortable and uncomfortable thing about wearing a donor hat for you? I, I think the, the thing that's quite comfortable being on, on the donor side or, or working with a fund is is that sense of power over like supporting money. It's already power hungry. Wow. Look at that. It is so wonderful to sit on the other side of the table for once. People can't see. He's actually got his fingers going together like Dr. Evil. It's amazing. We've been waiting for this our whole uh, we are. lives. All our short lives. They say power corrupts, Carol. <laughs> no, but I, I really believe that uh, there is that ability to catalyze ideas that, that have the, the, the potential to create big impact. And I think having that, the word power is kind of weird to use, but I think having that ability to support those ideas is it's quite an empowering feeling to be on that side. Uh, I think the thing that's most uncomfortable is that a lot of the people we work with are quite early stage and, you know, we were in their shoes just a few years ago. So we know the struggle. And so sometimes we're torn because we want to actually support ideas that perhaps is, isn't fully baked. Uh, but we see the value in the founders or we just understand that maybe some mistakes they made were things that we also did as people who were raising money. And so it's uncomfortable to like remove that side of ourselves and say, no, we're going to just be donors. We're like strict about this. Yeah. I think what can be uncomfortable, at least for me, is we put together a grant review committee and the we put together a grant review committee of people that are executive directors of foundations. And I think you can sometimes feel this imposter syndrome, at least for me, of who am I to be sitting with these executive directors of these really amazing foundations that this is what they do every day. Uh, and so that's something that I feel really uncomfortable with is stepping into my own confidence of though I'm not an executive director of a foundation uh, on my, as my day job, but I have the opportunity to still add value because I am a nonprofit leader. So before we go into the shameless plugs, I'd just love to hear a little bit more about Little Big Fund in terms of the process, the grant making process, the process of the grants, whatever you feel like is necessary for listeners to hear. Sure. Little Big Fund is a nonprofit organization that provides tools, networks, and micro grants to social entrepreneurs uh, to catalyze their ideas and social ventures. 
so we typically work with early stage social entrepreneurs who are building nonprofit organizations uh, and we provide them with a training program that typically lasts about a week. Uh, during the week, they're learning about the ins and outs of fundraising while also writing a grant in the classroom. Uh, they get to learn about the ways that donors like to read grants, uh, what kinds of um, grants are more likely to be successful versus not. Um, and they also get to learn about the pipeline of fundraising so that they can sustainably raise money after the Little Big Fund. Uh, the second element of this is the, the network. So during the, the course, we invite a funders panel, uh, which consists of different donors uh, from the corporate sector, from foundations, from uh, other organizations. Uh, and the panel actually shares their insight on their fundraising uh, strategy or funding strategy and the way they make their grants so that the, the students can learn about different strategies that they have to use to approach different donors. The final element of this is the microgrant. Uh, so we actually provide a microgrant typically at the end of the class where students that learn how to write a grant will actually submit a grant. Uh, we form a committee of a grant review committee members who then independently review the grants, ask some questions, and at a hot seat event, which is held at the very end, ask questions from the social entrepreneurs who answer these questions and then decide on um, providing grants typically to a couple of uh, these organizations. These are micro grants, typically uh, an average of about $1,500. Um, you know, we fund anything from someone wanting to attend a conference to learn more about a specific issue or uh, piloting uh, their first uh, minimum viable product. Anywhere in the range, we, we provide them with that support. And the one other thing I'll add that I think is really beautiful about the Little Big Fund is that even if you don't receive the micro grant, when you're getting feedback on like how you can improve your grant, but you're also getting a grant, like a living grant document that you can now work with and take to other uh, foundations. So we're really giving you a start point of, hey, if, even if you don't get this micro grant, you have now so many more opportunities to take this and apply it um, beyond the course. So what would be a shameless plug thinking of Little Big Fund? Mm -hmm. He's going to dive into the, the shameless plug. Be as shameless as you'd want to be. Mm -hmm. So our shameless plug that we thought about uh, was this past weekend, Avi and I had the opportunity to lead the Little Big Fund in a micro version for university professors um, from the southeastern U.S. And it was an amazing opportunity for us to exponentially scale the program because we were able to put the tools in college professors' hands that they can then bring back to their the social entrepreneurs in their college classes. Uh, so what we're thinking about at Little Big Fund is how do you exponentially grow nonprofit fundraising in a way that's really um, tactile for university professors. And it was a little intimidating because we've never done it, but it was really successful. I don't know if that's a good shameless plug, to be honest, but it's what we thought about in the car. Oh, that's pretty good. What would you prefer? No, I think that's fine. Yeah. I just wanted to add that um, if if the Little Big Fund can generate community connections mm. like we have established here in Boulder, in other communities, so that um, you know members in Ash people in Asheville would say, I want to contribute to the funding pool. Uh, it, 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 each of these little big fund satellites are also like donor advised funds. Mm -hmm. I think that that's a lovely, I don't know if I'm saying this the right way, but the, the community element is super um, helpful. When someone in Asheville writes a grant that supports the Asheville area, 
and gets funded by people from the Asheville area is what it's I'm like trying to say. Catalyzing <laughs> communities locally to yeah. start early stage funding. And we're hearing from Gail Nosen, <laughs> but I'm saying that because I don't know if she wants this to be included in the process. So if she does, then we're definitely going to have that in the, in the podcast if she feels yeah. comfortable with that. Yes. I think that Brilliant. should be our shameless plug. <laughs> there we Mine are. Out. <laughs> Great. No, I think both, all of that, we can keep, this is a living... Breathing job. Like yes, living, breathing podcast as well. So... <laughs> Brilliant with that. And without any further ado, give me the virtual tour for people looking for a grant from Little Big Fund. How do they find you or how do you find them? Obviously, it's a little bit different uh, the way you, you're set up with students. So how do you find students? What's the process? And how do you, at the end, king or anoint your uh, your grantees since you're the one with all the power there? <laughs> I guess to guide you through the virtual tour of, of Little Big Fund, uh, we've kind of divided it into three stages. So the first stage is finding satellite partners. Um, so we either work with academic partners, which can be universities uh, or incubators or social impact labs. And we work with them to find community partners who you know, chime in with a little bit of funding and thought partnership so that it adds to the local value of Little Big Fund. Uh, instead of trying to bring a donor from, let's say, Colorado to uh, Tennessee and run a Little Big Fund, we try to find someone in Tennessee who can potentially contribute to the funding and also the, the learning process for the students. So that's the first stage is, is creating partnerships at, at the local level. Uh, the second is the course. So with the, the local partner, we recruit students. Uh, either these are university students who are just getting started uh, or social impact leaders who are wanting to learn more about fundraising. Uh, typically, our class size is anywhere between 10 to 20 students. Uh, we try to keep it at that so that the quality of the conversation and the learning is, is as high as possible. Uh, we run a week-long course. Um, they, they learn about fundraising as a whole, as a process. Uh, but then at the same time, they're also writing their grants, which allows them to get a real-time feedback. Uh, we, we sit down with them on one-on-ones, give feedback on the grants throughout the week so it's as polished as possible in that short period of time. Then the final stage is the funding process. So in collaboration with our community partner who ideally pulls in some money into the, the, the fund, uh, we, we create a funders panel uh, or, or a grant review panel that reviews these grants over a period of a week. Uh, they ask questions that they might have for them. Uh, and then at the end of the second week, sit down with the grantee, uh, potential grantee, and ask questions about their grant document, their big vision, uh, anything that might be missing from the grant that they want more information on. At the end of that kind of panel, um, based on the answers and the grant itself and their participation in the course, the, the grant review committee decides to allocate a specific amount of money to a couple of the, the students who participated in the course. Not everyone is guaranteed funding. Uh, typically, we grant around three to five um, students per class. Um, but depending on the, the quality, we might end up giving it to maybe just one or two people or might you know, spend it more widely across students. Uh, so that's the process of, of working with Little Big Fund. There's no direct application process. It's not, we don't have requests for proposals or anything of that sort. Uh, it's more like Little Big Fund goes to the communities where uh, we see the need for, for this course and this funding uh, to be used and maximized for impact. And the other piece I would add is also like community seeking us out too. So if communities like are realizing that they need like some nonprofit fundraising training to support their local nonprofits and to really help them be more sustainable in their fundraising. We're looking for that opportunity where the communities that are identifying, hey, we need this training, and then the Little Big Fund can come in and support that. So for students listening to this, what are some of the things that they should be mindful of at the end of the process where they're in that they feel like they're they're right there, the grant is in their grasps, but then 
it doesn't go their way, or it does go their way, what are some things that they should know in terms of helping their uh, cause along? One of the things I really appreciate about uh, prospective grantees that don't receive a grant is those that keep in contact with us and those that keep us up to date on their progress and who leverage us as mentors. And so when they don't get the grant, they come back to us and say, hey, who else in your network do you think might be a potential fit for this grant? And that feels really good because then we can help connect them to maybe um, grantors that are actually a better fit for their organization than we are. So that's one thing we look for is people that turn a no into a potential yes from someone else. And for the people that we do award grants, Two, uh, I think something that we very much appreciate is transparency with their process. So if you do get funding from a little big fund, the goal is not for you to just tell us about the big wins you're having with your project, but also to share some of the, the challenges that, that you're having throughout the process and being open to sharing with us because the likelihood of us being able to perhaps support you or even guide you in the, the right direction is pretty high. And so that honesty and transparency is something that we really seek and, and appreciate about, about grantees that that we um, fund. And also applying their learnings, right? So saying like, if this didn't work the way they expected to, like, I really like it when they're really explicit of here's how I learned. Um, here's this idea that I thought was gonna work in this direction, it actually failed. Here's what I learned and here's how I'm taking that learning to go forward and here's how it's influencing my next grant application to another organization. And just to dig to that question a bit more, is there something that they can do during the process that helps their cause to get that? Because it's great to know that it doesn't end with a yes or no, but is there something that they should know beforehand? And it really is sort of just the chance of the, the greater grant people. I'm not sure if this answers the question, but here's what first comes to mind is the office hours. So the Little Big Fund, we offer office hours, and the students have the opportunity of office hours with some grant review committee members, with some local community partners, and that is really their opportunity to ask questions about aspects of their grant that they're concerned about. So it's really helpful for us when someone comes in and says, I'm not really sure about my budget. Here's what I'm not sure about my budget. Can you please help me get really clear on what I'm missing? Um, so that's, those are the opportunities throughout the course where if they can really take the opportunity to highlight here are my shortcomings that I perceive and then us to kind of step in and guide those answers. That's really helpful in the moment so that it doesn't wait to the yes or no um, if they can help direct where they are concerned. So the design, it does have a lot of uh, expansion and contraction in the sense that there's less emphasis on lecture and a didactic um, delivery and more on using mentor texts and using one another as peers to critique the work. There's a lot of giving the, the substance and the process and the content back into the hands of the students with guidance and a structure from all of us or all of those who are teaching it. And I think that that is um, really wonderful because there is no one right way to say, oh, we're going to fill out this template grant and go online. And yes, there might be many scholars who say, I'm going to click on this form and I'm going to fill out the boxes with 400 characters. They're going to be forced to do that. But if they have the process to work in community as they find their voice, as they find how they're going to make their ask, that I think gives them a leg up towards the real world of fundraising, which is talking at parties, talking in elevators being in community to let people know about what your mission is. We get to bring that alive for them 
in a school, you know, academic setting, which I think is great. What is some of the feedback that you get from the people who get the grants and people who don't get the grants since you do have this conversation that continues after the grant process? I feel like Gail's been teaching this for quite a few years, longer. They've now officially put you on the spot. Ah, Uh, the question was, what is some of the feedback? What's some of the feedback that you've got that's informed how you continue the process going forward? Well, I can share some, and then I know that, that Avi and Tether can share as well. Mm-hmm. The feedback that I hear um, is just very positive, that it's been a, a process of getting concrete, precise skill development, as well as the soft, really important qualitative development of deciding to dedicate your life, right, 24-7 to creating your vision in the real world. And I think that if it is, if it ends up that someone gets dollars or they get that real world experience of, I just entered into the pool and I dove into the deep end and I came up for breath and I dove down again, I I think that that gets them off onto a flow that's going to be ebbing and sometimes not. And I, I think that I hear almost universally that it's the experience. I think like as one of the participants of the course, uh, I actually took the course a couple of years ago and got a micro grant. Something that I can speak from my own experience is that it helped me humanize the donor and allowed me to make a stronger connection with donors, not just during the course, but actually beyond. And I think before I took the course, this idea of the donor is this kind of shadowy person that lives behind an email or... With great power. With great power. <laughs> the great odds. <laughs> and, and I think it really allowed me to, uh, you know, humanize who donors are and can be and how uh, their thinking process is not just guided by metrics and KPIs, but also by uh, their own values and their own kind of life stories. So I also took the course as several times as a student, and I'd like to say I never got a grant, uh, which has actually been like the best thing for me. And as I talk about the Little Big Fund, I think it's one of the most, the single most important learning experience for me as a social entrepreneur, because fundraising is the only way asset exists to this day, right? If I didn't have this skill set, if I didn't know how to build relationships with funders, if I didn't know how to write a grant, my organization would not be serving the students we get to serve today. So to me, it's always been the single most crucial learning opportunity of my social entrepreneurship career. I would also say that because I never got a grant, it also really taught me how to be resilient and build relationships with the funders and the grant review committee members as mentors and really not just see them as Avi was saying, like humanizing them as a person and then as a mentor and as someone who has knowledge who can help me actually further my venture. Even if it's not in philanthropic dollars, it could be in their own experience. And that's just been really crucial to asset because even if I don't get a yes from a funder, I've actually been really great at turning those no's into yeses from another funder. And I would say that's because of this course. Well, thank you for the virtual tour. Uh, moving on, you've mentioned before, I mean, you're in a position of being a regranter in terms of being a nonprofit that fundraises but also gives out grants. Being, I think, being in a position of being a regranter, people are looking at you as donors first. What happens when someone mistakes you for a pure donor and says, okay, how do I get money from you? Somebody who can actually be a student or can't do the program. How do you navigate that space? 
when you're mistaken for someone else other than the Little Big Fund? So since we launched the Little Big Fund, we've actually received a couple of kind of emails, um, which are kind of solicitations. And so it's been really interesting to see how having our website on um, and our social media, people are starting to kind of reach out, kind of sending proposals and um, and, and ideas for things they want to get funding for. Uh, what's been interesting is to actually connect with them uh, through my own experience and, and basically share how um, you know, ideas for how they can get funding, but that, you know, we are also uh, people that were perhaps in their shoes and are still in their shoes in some levels. Uh, we just happen to switch those shoes. And I think explaining that to people has been quite helpful for some people to understand that, you know, we're not really just going to provide funding, but actually also, um, you know, actually build a relationship, provide the course, and that's the, the right path for uh, participating in a little big fund. Well, I was also thinking our position is that we can be connectors to other opportunities. So even if we are, we can't fund an organization from like an unsolicited grant request, right? We can say, hey, here are other opportunities or here are other competitions or here are other programs based on what you just wrote that could be a really great opportunity for you. So that's what I really love about our work is so that we can't always directly give funds, we can actually hopefully catalyze more opportunities for organizations that reach out to us. Do you feel there's a pressure in terms of being able to send someone into a different direction to be able to say, okay, I can't fund you, but I know someone who can. You won't always know someone who can. Mm -hmm. So what's that feeling when you're in a position where you just, there's no help for someone? How do you, how do you navigate that road there? So one of the things we teach in the course is, is cold emailing and how to identify the right funders for you. So at least what we can also do is direct them of like, here's our process for how we educate uh, young social entrepreneurs on how to identify the right funders. So even if there's no one that comes to mind in our network, here's what we suggest you do. And then we can actually kind of like teaching them to fish, right? Like, so like we can't give you the fish, but we can teach you how to fish. Um, and so that's one way we can also catalyze the, an opportunity for them. And, and I would add that another part of the course is to introduce the idea of in-kind donations. I think sometimes at an early stage, these passionate, want to change the world people think that they need to have $30,000 right from the get-go, and that if we can entertain the idea that they might get $1,500, leverage it a certain way, but then go to your community, go back and say, hey, can you donate some kombucha or can you donate a room for us to use to help switch that that around, that they can get funding in alternate ways that are not just a dollar. And what are some do's and don'ts that you have? I know it's a little bit different for you the way you're set up, but what would be do's and don'ts, A, to your current grantees, uh, potential grantees, but also people, like I said, outside that greater circle that you'd want to share, also knowing that you represent nonprofits. So I think the, the first do's that we suggest to like potential grantees is to focus on relationships versus like right away focusing on their ideas or or their big kind of world changing solution. Uh, we find it quite challenging now, uh, especially when we hear someone pitching to us or have a short conversation when they jump right into the problem they're solving and how that's going to save the lives of millions of people. Uh, instead of you know right away jumping on that, we really appreciate someone trying to actually understand um, you know you know, building a relationship. So like trying to understand where we are coming in from, uh, doing a little bit of research on us 
to like know what our interests are and our, our pain points might be uh, is something that we really value. And I think, again, turning that around as someone who's looking for funding, that's been really valuable for me to like then work with donors and say, okay, I need to not only research their organization very well, but also research the person I'm meeting and what their background is and, and doing as much of kind of background research before going into a meeting so that I can touch on some of the areas that they're interested in so that you know, the conversation is, is a bit more lively and more connected than just saying, here's my great idea, fund me right away. Yeah. And off of that building relationships aspect, I think what we encourage people to do is demonstrate how they're applying their learnings. So that's always been really helpful um, in my own position of if someone's not funding me, but they give me advice and then I can come back to them in three months and say, hey, here's how I applied your like that learning that you shared with me. Here's what came out of it. Uh, encouraging uh, our students to be really explicit about that way in building relationships, I think is really helpful of saying, even if you don't get funding and you build the relationship and then you apply that mentorship and you return that back to the mentor, that's one really crucial way that you can continue to build a relationship and build your reputation, I think, in the donor community. Are there any experiences you'd like to share in terms of the right way to do things versus not maybe the best way of doing things? Um, an example that comes into mind is, is a student that we had a, a year ago uh, who was actually in our class um, and was from Poland running a, a gap year program and he didn't actually get a grant funding, but had a great idea, very passionate person. Just the committee didn't feel like his project was the one that we wanted to fund. Um, and, you know, he went on um, after the program, but then almost every month since he graduated from the program has been sending us monthly updates and has been including us as part of his program and as part of his campaign. And so like just about a month ago, he just sent us, this is about a year from like from now or a year ago. And so a month ago, he sent us an email launching a new website, asking our support to promote it on social media. So we were, we were given an opportunity to re-engage with this project. That's perhaps not again connected to funding, but actually sharing his work with other people. And we found that to be one of the, the kind of great examples of, of, you know, good engagement with us. And I can give an example of like a poor engagement. One that comes to mind is there was an organization that the grant review committee had questions about. And we had seen that there were other competitors in the market where they claimed there weren't really any competitors. And we had some specific questions of saying, hey, if you can answer these questions for us and come back to us within like three months, we'll reconsider your grant. Um, and that student fell off the face of the earth. And I think that the learning opportunity was, even if they couldn't answer the questions in three months, I really wish they would have sent us a note and said, hey, thank you for this opportunity. Uh, I'm still not sure to answer your questions. Here's who I've talked to about it. But I have like thought about this. Instead of just falling completely off of the face of the earth, I think they lost an opportunity to re really build a relationship with us. So this is a part where I start peppering you with my own questions and now present questions from other people. So I'm actually familiar with Little Big Fun. So the first question is, do you feel a sense of obligation to your grantees once they cycle out of your funding? If so, how is that manifested both organizationally and personally? I think, of course, we feel a sense of obligation. We get really personally invested in the organizations that we fund and the people behind those organizations, and we want to see them succeed. And so we hope that they continue to engage with us in a mentorship relationship where we can at least help coach and guide them to other opportunities, even if we cannot fulfill them. Yeah. So 
at Little Big Fund, we don't provide kind of second funding or multi-year funding. It's, it's a one-time fund. Um, so obviously, a lot of the, the grantees that we work with, once they receive funding, uh, it's really kind of up to them to re-engage with us and, and kind of work with us in that mentor relationship that Tessa just uh, talked about. But I think us as an organization also try to measure our impact in terms of the work they're doing. So we send out kind of quarterly uh, updates about what we're doing and also try to get data on whether they've used the funding or not. We're still trying to create an infrastructure where we can turn that data into something valuable for us to share the impact of our work. Um, but as we're still in an early stage, we're right now just trying to collect data at least for one year period after the funding is given out. But hopefully in the future, we can do a longer term engagement so we can see the, the impact of our grant on their overall work. And I think the other idea that just came to mind is how do we cross pollinate our learnings between people we fund, right? Because I think that's, for me as like a social, young social entrepreneur, it's always been the most valuable to hear people that are at similar stages of me and what they're learning and what they're struggling with. And so I think that's another obligation or opportunity for us is, is to figure out how do we cross pollinate learnings amongst our grantees so that they can all further each other's work. What can big funders learn from Little Big Fund? I think the, the one kind of perhaps a piece of advice that we can share with big funders um, based on our, our work with Little Big Fund is the, the importance of investing in finding the grantees. Um, I think a lot of the times the grantees tend to do a lot of the kind of legwork of finding the, the big funders and then actually getting into the door and building a relationship. And it costs a lot of organizations, especially you know, early stage nonprofits, uh, nonprofits that are based in other parts of the world where they don't have access to, um, you know, big funders right away. Uh, it costs a lot of resource, you know, human resource, but also funding to actually find those donors, build those relationships, uh, and then actually cultivate a form of uh, partnership. Uh, we, we believe that it would be ideal based on how we actually find our grantees. We actually go to communities and, and run these programs. Uh, it would be ideal if big donors, big funders also like reached out more and actually, uh, you know, worked in communities to find the donors, it, meet the communities where they are at versus having the, the, the grantees come to them and, and kind of be based in like in other places. The other idea that comes to mind is I think it would be really helpful if big funders took meetings with early stage entrepreneurs um, because if they can help exponentially grow those organizations organizations just through mentorship. Uh, for me personally, uh, when I had just graduated from college, I reached out to a big funder and it's been the greatest gift for Asset to have had that meeting when I had just graduated and to continue to have those meetings throughout the course. They've never funded Asset. But they've always been like the greatest ally to our organization in terms of mentorship. And so what I really hope from big funders is that if they do get a cold email from a recent college grad or from an aspiring nonprofit, that they take the meeting, even if it's 10 or 15 minutes, uh, because I don't think they realize how significant that one meeting, that relationship can be for a young uh, entrepreneur. And I leave this with the future. What is something you would like to see philanthropy eradicate or cure or change in your lifetime? So what I would love to see in philanthropy is for more executive directors to take risks on aspiring social entrepreneurs. Uh, they're not necessarily going to lose their jobs if they fund a project that fails. And so I hope that we see more and more philanthropists taking risks 
on organizations that may not be perfect but have promise? I'd love for, in kind of a macro vision, I'd love for the world of philanthropy to be perhaps a bit more coordinated. Um, kind of the way I, I feel like college applications work in the U.S. with like um, a more unified system of application, a more unified system of judging how organizations are performing so that, you know, nonprofits can work on perhaps one major grant application per year versus having to really kind of spend a lot of their time in dark rooms writing different grant applications to meet different organizations. And I think that takes a lot of time and value from the, the programmatic and impact work that they're actually doing in their communities. So I'd love for that to be eradicated so that organizations can spend actually 80, 90% of their work on actually doing the good work that they're doing in communities and perhaps a small percentage on fundraising and, and having to find donors and, and customizing their application for every, um, every donor. 90% doing the work? Heard of. Well, I Pretty big, it, Abby. <laughs> it's not, you know, with all that power comes great responsibility. <laughs> so with that, I'd like to thank both of you very much for being uh, taking us on your tour, the virtual philanthropy. Thank you for having us. Thank you, EJ. And thank you for listening.